speak and then read and then speak. Um, just want to clarify, Dom, Pitt went to Oxford. Is it, is it UCH for you? UCL, sorry, UCL, yeah. Just, just behind me there was a bit of an intake of breath as people thought, oh, he's off to Oxford. Um, actually, he's not. <laughs> but it is UCL, and it's brilliant at UCL. <laughs> right, well, I did myself out of that hole then. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um... Am I actually on here? Yes. Um, so, for those of you who haven't met me yet, I'm Martin. I'm the vicar of this place. Um, although sometimes it feels more like the clown, but never mind. Um, oh, let's pray. I uh, know we've been praying, but let's pray about this bit. Father, I'm really aware that we sometimes... Um, uh, no, that, we, that, that you... you talked about the difference between the wise and the foolish builders as being those who hear and respond versus those who only hear. And I ask the Father that you would help us to be people who are wise, who respond rightly to your word to us today. Lord, reveal yourself to us, we ask. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to come to the Bible reading in a couple of minutes, but um, yesterday, as a church council, so in the end it was 12, 13, 14 of us, perhaps, can't remember now, um, uh, good and true people turned up, and, we'd, uh, and we had a, a chance to talk about um, the future uh, and to remind ourselves of something of uh, where we've come from, and I want to relay some of that to you this morning. So... Um, I think it's fair to say that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have a purpose that is universal. So we can take ourselves back to the Bible to talk about the Great Commission, uh, where Jesus commissioned his followers to say, go into all the world, tell out the good news, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded, and remember I'm with you. And then we could also add in the Great Commandment about about loving one another. Uh, And those, to my mind, give us um, strong clues as to what our purpose is as followers of Jesus in all times, in all places, whatever situations we find ourselves in, across all centuries. And that we are a people who have a story to tell, and that we are called to love people as we tell that story. And of course, there's something about loving God in there as well, which um, is is part of that. It's our response to... uh, God's love for us is that we love him. So that's purpose. Um, and then you might say that we've, as a church, as a local community, we've talked quite a bit about uh, our vision. Uh, and so we've had a three-stranded vision that's been around for five years or so now, um, that we want to engage with what you might call a renewed or a charismatic way of life, not just Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. We want to connect clearly, strongly, carefully with our local community, um, attention of long-term mission and discipleship. Um, so one way of putting that is to say there are 12,000 people in our church, just they don't all know it yet. And there's 12,000 people who live in the parish. Um, and we want to be a church that resources other churches. Uh, and so that's been um, sort of out there in the ether for, for quite some time. We've talked quite clearly in the last six months or so about our values. So um, this is what we've said as values, that we, we really value the place of prayer, that place of communication with God. Um, and, and if we focus in, then particularly I suppose that phrase, your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. 
um, which is what, what Jesus taught his followers to say, to pray, to ask of God. Um, we have a value... Uh, Inevitably, really, about loving God, loving neighbour. That flows from that summary of the Ten Commandments. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment greater than these. Um, we want, in terms of the way we run things, to say, let's let the Gospel, the good news about Jesus, be the only thing that puts people off. So, actually, it means that we need the heating to be working, we need the coffee to be drinkable, and we need people to smile, and to welcome others, and to talk, and so that actually the only thing that might put people off is that sense that Jesus actually has a major claim on your life. And how do we respond to that, rather than something along the way to getting there? Um, We want to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us as individuals rather than as representatives of the church to pronounce stuff that condemns. We need the conviction of the Spirit to change us. And we want to recover that sense that we are all people who, have, who are missionaries or missional or uh, have a story to tell, if you want to put it in other language. That we all have good news to be telling out in our workplaces, amongst family, amongst friends, wherever we find ourselves in the totality of our week. That's our values. How do we do it then is around strategy and um, back in April we talked about the sort of next steps um, that were coming up and those next steps are um, on this, coming up here, there they are. Um, yeah, stop there. No, 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 back one, thank you. Um, You'll get that in a minute. Um, so, you know, back in April we were talking about we knew that Adele was coming as a curate and Adele is currently here with us. It's brilliant. Um, we knew that... Um, Steve was retiring from the, from the hospital, um, but needed a space to, you know, settle, and we're still thinking about how we might actually integrate Steve appropriately and best into the, into the life of the church. Um, we've talked about, at that point, a potential for more short-term groups, and learned, oh, what have we done? We've ended up with spaces um, as eight, nine, even, if you go with the um, external group we're offering uh, beginners to runners. Um, Helen, are you going on that? No, sorry. It's been a long running joke for, for months now. Um, 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 brains. Sorry. So there's, there's a whole number of short term groups um, that you're welcome to hook into. And actually, this is the weekend to get that organised if you haven't yet. Because some started last week, but it's not too late to hook in. Hook in and others are starting this week. Uh, many others are starting this week. So um, if you want to be there at the beginning, then. This is the week to have a sit down and read this and decide actually which of these um, eight or nine, depending on how you count them, um, different spaces do I want to get involved in. Of course, home groups continue and we encourage everybody who's in home groups to keep going and if you've got energy, do that as well, but otherwise stick with home groups. So that's that space is for you. That's one of the things we talked about as next. New thing next we need to talk about is that actually we met yesterday as a church council in this building, um, which not this building, this building, St John the Divine in Railway Street in Chatham, which is the one between the railway and the bus station, that big old church building that's been shut for 20 years or so. Um, no longer. It's going to be open. Um, there's vast pots of money come from the national system to reopen the building, to rework the innards, to... Um, to pay for staffing, to create a seven-day-a-week ministry 
to the multiple different people groups that will that will that do already live near or access the town centre across the different time zones that you know of of the week and the vision that we need to set before ourselves and to think about over the next six months is that there is a renewed or a new worshipping community which will include a number of people from here. Which is exciting and challenging at the same time because obviously if all the musicians left, we'd be in Stuck. Um, not left, uh, heard the call of God to go to St John's. Um, uh, you know, similarly in other, other areas of life. However, Actually, it feels right to say to everybody, what's your calling? Over the next few months, have a think and a pray about whether it's appropriate for you to be part of this new community at St. John's. Now, for those of you with long history of this place, will know that St. John's um, shut, as I say, in 1998 or so. The congregation joined in with Emmaus, which, well, joined in with the URC church, um, which became Emmaus, and... Um, they'll want their coming back as well. So there's a joining of two fairly different or distinct um, ways of worshipping. Um, but the diocesan hope is that what will be seen will be a replication of what we do here. Which I find quite intriguing and very positive and very delightful. And if you're wondering what the inside likes, here's a picture from 1908, um, Harvest Festival. Um, the pews are still in place, the balcony's in place. There's seats for 1,500 people in there. We could fit this congregation in there seven times over, even across the two services. Um, there's masses of space and potential, um, although there's no toilets in there at the moment. Never has been. Not in, since 1821 has there been toilets in the place. Quite what they did then, I don't know. Maybe they were drunk less or something, I don't know. So that's... That's the part of the vision about the future that I needed to tell you, which I guess feels more like presentation than preaching, um, which is kind of why I wanted to separate it off from um, a Bible reading. So let's move to Bible reading now. Um, Exodus 33 is the kind of appointed passage. Um, one's like this. Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching until Moses entered, until he entered the tent. So watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the, to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So, today's Bible reading then is uh, uh, taken from the Old Testament, from that bit of the history of God's people um, that, has, that has them already having left slavery in Egypt, but not having yet arrived at the Promised Land. We, we've heard that Moses, as leader of God's people, went to this tent of meeting and talked with God face to face. That's quite an intense interaction. 
no wonder all the people stood at their own tents and worshipped while this was happening. For not only was Moses talking to God, but very visibly, so God was with Moses. There were the pillar of cloud, which symbolised God's presence, came down on that tent. And usually the pillar of, pillar of cloud only appeared when the people were to move from one place to another and led them along the way. It's worth reflecting a little bit more, I think, on that journey of, of uh, that journey of God's people. You, you might recall even from watching films such as Prince of Egypt that the time in Egypt was a time of great suffering as slaves. That the people cried out to God, but he didn't seem to answer their prayers. Then there was this massive disruption, interruption, uh, of that way of life as God intervened in a dramatic way in the lives of the slaves through the ten plagues and brought the people out from slavery to freedom. And that freedom was eventually to lead them to the promised land. So what we think of as places like Jerusalem, Galilee. But for those who left Egypt, it was only ever a promise for the future. Because at one point they had all rebelled and God had made it clear that um, none of that group of adults was going to enter into the promised land. So for them, physically, they had moved from slaves in Egypt to freedom in what we call the wilderness. And I want to suggest there are parallels to our own faith. So we start as slaves to sin in classic biblical terms and for those who discover God as adults there is a massive disruption of our way of life or interruption as Adele talked of last week as God enables us to break free from sin our life of sin and come alive spiritually so we move to the equivalent of living in the wilderness and yes it's, to my mind it's a bit badly named but we'll come back to that in the wilderness, we live with the hope that one day we will enter the rest of God, which is life without end with God in heaven. But that only comes when we die. That's our promised land, is eternity with God in heaven. However, that starts today, but in a different way, because we live on earth as well as being citizens of heaven. So that wilderness time for the people of Israel can be taken as a parallel to the life of the follower of Jesus, so a Christian, on this earth. The wilderness then uh, I, 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 is named after the lack of natural resources in the area. So there's little rainfall, there's not much shelter, there's not much for anyone to eat. But spiritually there's no way you could call these wilderness years. Far from it. The people cried out to God, for example, because there was no water, and he provided. The people uh, cried out to God for food, and he gave them manna every day, sort of sticky stuff that came with the dew. And when they got bored of that vegetarian diet, he gave them quails to eat. I think God was having a bad day that day, because he sent in so many quails, uh, and they died around the camp, that they were a metre deep all around the camp. Just imagine the stench. Um, and I think it was a lesson in, see, I can give you more than so much more that you won't actually like it anymore. Be careful what you ask for. Let's move on. Well, actually, when the Israelites went to move on, so the pillar of cloud would lead them by day and the pillar of fire by night. 
these represented the presence and the guidance of God. And as we've seen, God personally gave instructions to Moses, their leader. So God was very present to the people of Israel while they were physically in the wilderness. And they relied absolutely on God's provision and guidance. You could argue, but then they had no other choice. If you don't rely on God and you're in the desert, you soon die. The contrast with Western society is massive. We could say that many people are spiritually in a wilderness, but rely absolutely on their own provision and guidance, and their own understanding of spirituality, as if they have no other choice. But the great hope of the message about Jesus is that we do have another choice. We can choose, in that sense, to be countercultural as followers of Jesus and choose to rely on God's grace and his guidance in our lives. And I think I can begin to understand why there are some of Jesus' followers, even today, who deny this world's stuff completely in order to focus on God. So, I'm thinking of those who live in monasteries uh, who are committed to a life of poverty, chastity and prayer. However, I think there is a more nuanced way forward, as described in the New Testament, as being in the world but not of the world. So making use of the conveniences of modern life without placing them above God, whether that's stuff such as technology or health or fame or financial success. So without placing anything as more important than worshipping God. Put it another way. Have we turned other things, other goals, into idols which we worship over and above in importance? in importance to us than worshipping God. If so, then God calls us to change. God calls us to worship only him. Ten Commandments, as we have them in Exodus 20, suggests that because God is the God who brought them out from slavery to freedom, so, we shall, so the calling is to have no other gods, to not even make an image in the form of anything and not bow down to it or worship them. For we're called to be people who put God first and worship of God. And that sense of worship in the sense of make, uh, giving worth to God, giving glory to God. Now notice, in our Bible reading, the whole camp stopped. Stopped whatever else they were doing and they worshipped God as Moses was there in the tent having his chat with God. And it's easy for us to focus on that sense of, oh, God and Moses had a nice chat face-to-face, and we want that today. And that's lovely, but that doesn't actually happen. We don't actually see God face-to-face, at least I don't, and I don't know of many people who do. Um, So that's kind of why I want to think a bit about those that worshipped from their tents. And I wonder how they worshipped. Because today we think of worship often as song worship, or perhaps we might say welcome to this service of worship, although that's a summary for worship, teaching and prayer. But whilst it might have links to songs, I would be really surprised if the whole encampment, potentially best part of two million people, were to have burst into song while Moses was in the tent of meeting. 
but they might have done. I suspect, though, they more stood there in awe and amazement that this pillar of cloud had come down and blocked the entrance to the tent of meeting, and Moses was on the other side, inside. I suspect some of them were praying for safety for Moses, that he'd get out again. Um, But also I suspect that actually they were prayers of adoration, of thanksgiving for God's continuing provision. And notice that the reading has that at a different time, so that people were welcome into that same tent to inquire of the Lord. That is to ask for his guidance, for his provision, for his wisdom, for his intervention in situations. So in the passage we, as we have it, there is two things going on. There's that worship, which I suggest is in adoration as Moses went into the tent. But separately, there's that inquiring of the Lord. And they're different activities. And I want to encourage us to think that both are valid today in how we live our lives. Having said that, it's worth remembering that Jesus changed everything. In that sense that we don't have to stand at the entrance, as it were, to our tents and worship God from afar, but we are welcome into his presence all the time. Not just when the cloud is lifted in the terms of going into that tent of meeting. And that's possible because Jesus took on human flesh and died and in doing so removed the consequences of our sins so that we can be in right relationship with God. And it's out of that that we say we choose to respond to God's love for us. So the passage has worship, I I suggest uh, worship in adoration, and inquiring of the Lord as separate things. But equally we've talked of a wider view of worship uh, as as that sense of our whole of life thing, as giving the things we give worth to, which we need to set against God calling us, calling of us to only give worth or worship to Him, to God. So, what things then do we long for, or risk longing for more than we long to live the whole of our lives to God's glory and honour? Have we allowed other goals to fill our lives? If so, then I want to remind you that you can't take fame, or family, or health, or wealth, or stuff with you beyond death. Just your soul goes with you. That is you. So, actually, where we are called to lift up our eyes to God and his ways, we are called to get an eternal perspective. God wants to spend eternity with each of us, and that does start as soon as we say our yes to God. But actually we need to train our souls to respond rightly to God's ways and must make heaven, if you like, a bit less of a shock for your soul. Because in heaven, as we read in Revelation, which was all written by St. John the Divine, um, to go back to St. John's for a minute, um, John saw a vision of heaven where the worship was never ending. Here's a section from John uh, Revelation 4. Day and night, these four living creatures with six wings, they never stopped 
offering worship to God. They never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Uh, and that same chapter moves on and tells you about the 24 elders, who whenever they hear this, they then fall down and lay their crowns before the king, before the throne, uh, and they offer their own worship. You are worthy, they say, our Lord and God, to receive work, glory and honour and power for all created things, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. That's what it's like in heaven. A part of the Lord's prayer is your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. So something about worship has to be part of the outworking of that prayer. So we too are called to live our lives in that sense of worship as a continuous act of giving worth to God. Yes, practically, you still need to do stuff like whatever gets you at a living. You're teaching, you're accounting, you're um, a nursing doctor and whatever it is, um, doing the things that parents do, all the myriad ways that we fill our days. But in doing that, we can offer all that activity to God as part of our worship. But at the same time, there is too that take, the need to take time explicitly to be with God. That sense of adoration, of worshipping God for who he is, I think that's something we can all learn to do, or for some of us learn to do a bit better. Coming to God without a shopping list of things we need him to do, and that can include fixing these people that we keep praying for on our prayer lists. It can, you know, there are all sorts of things that we come to God and say, God, I need you to do this, please, and preferably yesterday. Um, but if we come to God without that shopping list, uh, and just linger, rest in his presence, I think it might be really uncomfortable, but it's worth persisting at. I know it's uncomfortable. And it's then that we might discover God's calling to us rather than, as it were, our calling out to God. We discover God's calling to us as we are quiet, as we bring ourselves, as we still ourselves before the Lord. So, even if it's not part of your regular routine at the moment, can I urge you this week to try it? Stop for a few minutes. Bring yourself into God's presence with no other agenda. Yes, you might want to start by giving thanks to God for all sorts of things, but make sure you linger in his presence and enjoy it. And remember in the end, Jesus himself thought it was a good idea. In that run-up to teaching the Lord's Prayer, this is what he said. When you pray... Go into your room and close your door. Oh, and don't keep on babbling. For God knows what you need before you ask him. In other words, find a quiet space, don't use many words. Relatively easy, isn't it? In theory. In practice, we don't. Do we? Some of us do, some don't. And actually this is underpinned by one of our um, one of those things about values that we talked about earlier um, and if we're going to let the spirit convict rather than the church condemn we need to take time to be quiet to allow God to speak clearly into our lives 
Now, for some of you, you might be thinking, actually, I'm not there yet. I need to let God break into my life for the first time. And if that's where you're at, then do that. Talk to God. Tell him, please, I need your intervention here. I need you to um, break into my life. That, that sense of starting to move from that sense of slavery, that sense of, of complete commitment to the things of this world, to move to the freedom that Jesus brings. I urge you have courage to do that, if that's where you're at. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, forgive us when we babble on and we don't find a quiet space. Forgive us when we live our lives at such a pace that we're not even acknowledging you in what we do. you for your forgiveness thank you that you know all about us and you still choose to love us thank you that you offer us life without end with you that starts as soon as we say yes to you you for Moses for that face to face discussion as with a friend thank you that things have changed that you've poured out your spirit you're willing to pour out your spirit on all, all your people that we might be able to interact with you in the same way. Thank you for that reminder of your love for us, your care towards us, the conviction of your spirit. Give us grace to discern more of you in these days. Amen.